The name of my message this morning is now changed to Ditto. Because as my wife pointed out, everyone preached your sermon. Every single one of them. But it wasn't my sermon. That's what maturity points out. Is that anything shared throughout the course of the service, whether it be by the worship leaders, whether it be with the song selection, the lyrics, the preached word, the prophetic, none of it's ours. Not a single bit of it. So I joke and I say ditto, but I love that God could weave all throughout the morning what he wants you to know. And that's more important than it coming out of my mouth, or Rosie's mouth, or Frank's mouth, or Heather's mouth. It doesn't matter whose mouth it comes out of, what matters most is that you receive what he has available for you. That you eat what he puts on your plate this morning. Amen? Anybody still have an appetite? Let's start with prayer. Lord, I thank you that you've given me the opportunity to talk with my family. I thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that you speak to us, that you love us so much that you know us, that you love us so much that you teach us. Lord, today as we embark on a new series and we reflect on your unchanging, God, I pray that we would be able to consume fully of this truth that you are constant, that you remain the same, that you are reliable, that you are trustworthy. I pray, Lord, that we would eat and feast on that truth. That we wouldn't forget it when the world starts shaking, and it will. But Lord, that we would remain as we talked about in previous years and in previous months and in previous teachings, that we would remain unshakable because we know you to be constant. I thank you and I praise you for all that will come out today, and Lord, if anything comes out of my mouth that was unnecessary, Lord, I pray that you would train the ear of your people so that they would only receive what is from you and they would throw away anything else. Thank you, Lord, for governing this meeting and our lives. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we say all of these things and believe all of these things. And all of God's people say... Amen. All right. So this year, we have endeavored to cover learning the ways of God, but more than just learning them, walking in them. And so if you go back, and I encourage you to do this. I've said this before. I'll probably say it every time I come up here. I encourage you to utilize that uh, digital storage platform called YouTube and check out what the Lord has said through previous teachings. Because there's a lot of things that I might poke at or pull on that 
are things that Alan might have said a few weeks ago, or Bob might have said last week. And if you weren't here because you were traveling, if you weren't here because you were ill, if you weren't here because you were distracted, there is a repository of all of the teachings available to you. And it might be that God wants to speak to you through something said in April, and you have a place to find that. Amen? No, you didn't say amen as enthusiastic that time. That's okay. I'll say it again the next time I preach, and that's next week. So you're going to keep hearing about YouTube. Subscribe today. <laughs> but <clears throat> we've been focusing on walking in the ways of God. And I'm curious, because you know I love me some audience participation. I'm curious if you can remember briefly, if you can state some of the ways of God we've learned about this year. No microphones, just Elevated voices from seats. Who can remember one of the ways we've explored, expanded upon, learned about this year? Anybody? You don't have to raise your hand. Just leap. God is light. God is light. Amen. Look at you using, okay, you better use it today. Use that slide effectively, my sister. What's one, what's one of the previous ways? Because God has ways. All right? He has ways. There's a way in which he operates. He's a father. He's a father. Yeah, I remember hearing that. Our father, back in March and April. Yeah. He's a giver. He's a giver. Absolutely. Absolutely. Say it again. A comforter. Like the thing on your bed? You mean like he comforts? All right, I'm messing with you. It was too easy. I had to. Okay, all right. He's loving. Praise God. Yes, he is. What else? All these people in this room, all these revelations received, what else? What have we received this year, either from a teaching or in your personal time? What have you learned about the Lord this year and his ways? He's perfect in all of his ways. Nothing escapes his notice. The things done in the dark. He sees them as if they were done in the light. Nothing could be hidden from him. Believe it or not, because I forgot I even said it, I listened back to me teaching in February, and I had said how God is in control, and we can liken it to this, because there was children in the room, and I didn't remember that I was preaching the children. It was really long, by the way. I don't know why I was so long-winded with the kids in the room. But it was one of the family Sundays, and I was teaching, and I had said, kids, even when you close the door, mom and dad are still in charge. They don't have to see it to have authority over you. So if you're doing something with a door closed or in the dark, God knows he's still in control. We should obey him even when we perceive to not have him seeing us in that moment because he sees everything. So thank you. One or two more. He is Say it again. He is, healing. he is healing. He doesn't just heal. That's who he is. It's part of his nature. 
interacting with him, spending time with him is a healing bomb. When we have a relationship with him, we are healed from the things we think we need healing from and from the things we don't. One more. Where, where was it coming from? God cannot lie. I thought God could do anything. We'll cover that today. Because I thought God could do anything, but apparently there's one thing God cannot do. He cannot deny himself. So if his nature is to be one of truth, if he is truth, he can't lie because if he is truth and he lies, then he negates the fact that he is truth. So one of his ways will never negate another one. Nothing he does will negate who he is. Make sense? Which is why he can't lie. I would also argue he can't fail. But that's speaking out of an understanding of who he is and what he is towards us. Okay, cool. I really don't have to preach much today. You guys are getting through my notes so fast. Okay, so... This series was inspired, oddly enough, in week two of the testing series that we just went through. We were in our praise and worship set, and you may see this if you ever look at me during the worship set, and you shouldn't be, you should be looking up front, but whatever. If you ever look at me, look towards my, my area of the church, you might see me yank out my phone. And it's because of the fact that I don't really use a notepad. I use a notepad app but I don't really use a physical notepad. And so there are times when God will download something. And if I don't write it down right in the moment, I'll lose it. And so I can remember during the worship set thinking, what am I going to talk about? I have these two weeks. I have no idea what God wants me to say. And then all of a sudden it was, don't say anything new. Simply remind them that all of the ways they've learned about here or other places, those ways are constant. They're unchanging, they're never ending. And I forgot what the song was, I'll have to go back two weeks from now, or two weeks ago, and see what the worship set was, but it was something about one of the songs, something about one of the lyrics that immediately it hit me, God is unchanging in all of his ways. So if there's a way of provision that you've learned about from him, he's that way all the time not just when you receive the thing you've been asking about. He's a provider all the time. And not just when you need comfort in a certain situation, because there's times where you're gonna feel like, I'm good. He's a comforter then too. Everything that you pointed out is an always thing when it comes to the Lord. So God always sees. He doesn't just see right now when Carol's in the front row, right? We gotta understand that he's always, he's always loving. And Judah and I talked about this this week, and I thought this was solid. He was making sure, because I make sure I spend time with the other teachers and, and talk about what it is I believe the Lord is depositing. And, hey, like, Alan, do you, do you get this too? Like, are you seeing this? And am I way off track? And, and in my conversation with Judah, he had said, remember to tell our brothers and sisters that God is good all the time. Not just the saying that you tried to finish and mumbled under your breath just now. I know a couple of you probably were like, all the time, God is good. But he wanted you to hammer in. He wanted me to hammer in. God is good. That is his essential nature. So all of these other things have to be permanent because otherwise he wouldn't be good. 
If he were faithful sometimes and not faithful the rest of the times, he'd be like everybody else you know in your life. Flaky. Am I the only one with flaky friends? <laughs> flaky family? I mean, don't say amen. That's a weird place to say amen. But I know you got them. You might be the flaky person in your family. I might be the flaky person in your life. We all need to work on it. But God isn't flaky. He doesn't change. He's not like the stock market. He's not like the value of Bitcoin. He will remain the same. He's always the same. Some athletes are good at this era, and then, you know, a couple years later, you see they lost a step. Some politicians seem good when they're on the campaign trail, then they get in the office, and you're like, ugh. Some people you were dating at one point seem really romantic, and then after a couple of months, you go, oh, no. God is not that way, people, because he's always good. And if he starts to change on you, he negates that goodness. Don't believe me? Let's go to scripture. Let me go to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, because that is the thing that we're anchoring everything I'm saying today and next week on. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So what is Jesus like? All the things you said, this says they're unchanging. It's a simple verse. I know I'm not giving you a thousand verses today. It's a simple verse. There are some supporting scriptures, but it's a simple verse. And it anchors everything you've said, I said, Rosie said, Frank said, Heather said. It anchors all of it. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. And I would postulate that we don't know God's ways unless we receive revelation from him. You don't learn his ways because you study scripture alone. Though studying scripture is good. He must reveal to you in your time of studying and invite him to do so. Because otherwise you're just reading a book. He must reveal to you in your time of reading, in your time of singing on a loop, in your time of praying, in your time of community at Commonplace in the lobby at 8 p.m., he must reveal to you truth. He must reveal to you what he is like. He has to reveal it. And he gives revelation to everyone, but particularly to those who have relationship with him. Because I believe even ones who don't have a relationship with him, he's saying, I am your God. And they're like, mm, I don't want to receive that just yet. Their unwillingness to receive it does not mean he's not giving the revelation. But when you have a relationship with him, oh, he is most certainly revealing what he is like all of the time. And sometimes we're just too busy to receive it. I want you to receive today that as he provides that revelation, that constancy about his ways, that comes with time. You heard our sister say earlier that I can remember a time when... I'm willing to bet, Rosie, correct me if I'm wrong, that you know about God's provision more now than you did then. Why is that? Because she knows him more. Because she's had more encounters. 
Because she's had more times where she's asked a question and he's answered. Because she's had more times where she was in need and he provided. So she knows him more as provider now than she did then. Younger saints in the room, don't get dismayed and say, Dag, so I got to wait until I'm retired to know? That's not true. It's not about age. I'm not singling Rosie out because she's seasoned because of her age. I'm, seizing, I'm, I'm calling you out because you're seasoned in your relationship. So, Zoe, you could know God like Rosie. You don't got to wait. You could know him like that right now. Because you think about how you've asked him for things in ninth grade and he did it. And you asked him for things in 10th grade and he did it. And you're asking him for stuff now and you're kind of waiting, but he's working on it and he'll show you that he's already done it. You just haven't got it yet. So you don't have to wait to be rosy to have this understanding that God's a provider. Matt, you don't got to be frank in order to understand that God's a protector or that he's a giver of peace. You don't have to wait that long. The prerequisite is you have to have relationship with the Lord. And in that relationship, you will receive revelation. And as those revelations mount up, some of them seemingly repeating, because you didn't get it on the first try, or you got it, but you didn't get it full enough, he'll keep revealing it until eventually you realize He's the same yesterday and today and forever. That's the beauty of this series. It's simple. And yet it's really hard because we keep conflating God to be like everyone else. But if God is as holy as Judah said in, on January 2nd, when we first started this barrage of his ways, Remember the Mandalorian jokes? If you don't remember, go back to YouTube. But when we started this journey of talking about God's ways, the first one was his holiness. And anybody want to tell me what holiness means? Someone who hasn't shared before? What is holiness? He's set apart. Thank you, sis. Holiness means he is set apart. He is altogether different. So why do we compare him to our heaven, our earthly fathers? He's altogether different. Why do we compare him to our bosses? He's altogether different. Why do we think he's like us? When we ought to be more like him. We use too much of what is seen to define what is unseen what is seen to know him. And while he does provide little breadcrumbs here and there, clues, or if you're a Marvel fan, Easter eggs, he provides them. But at the end of the day, the only one who can re reveal who he is truly like is him. He must reveal himself. And when he does, you must receive it. It's not complicated. We sung, well, before I get to that, the past three weeks, we talked about testing. How many of you enjoyed that series? How many of you like being tested? Raise your hand. Better yet, stand, stand up if you're the one person in the room that enjoys being tested. 
No one? No takers? But what I love about this is God uses testing to reveal his ways. So if Rosie never was hungry, you wouldn't know he was a provider. But we want it to be easy so we miss out on what God is really like because we only want to deal with him in good times. We only want good times and good things. And because we only want it to be that way, we miss out on opportunities to receive teaching in the times that are not as desirable or glamorous, the times that are not as fun, the difficult times. All of us will live in difficult times. And what's a difficult time to Alan, a season that might be difficult to you, might be a good one for me. But it's in that season where you'll learn something that you might be able to share with me later when I'm in my difficult time. God shows you what he's like all the time, but we miss out on the times when he's shown it to us in the difficulty. He'll show you he's a provider when you have need. He'll show you that he is a protector when your job is at risk. I'm learning that now. He'll show you that he's loving when you're the most unlovable. You know when you're being a brat. You know when you're undesirable. And God will show you that he loves you more in that time, sis, than you ever thought he could. That you can't do anything to be lovable. He just loves you. That's his nature. And we don't want to miss out on that. So regardless of what the season is, I want you to understand that testing leads to revelation. That's why what Bob said the last three weeks was so critical. And while I know the last message focused more so on you either pass or you fail, understand that even in the moments when you fail, to realize what the test was for, to realize how it was shaping you, Beth, you'll get another one. And you have the opportunity to pass the next one. Why? Because he's faithful. Because he's not going to leave you in your place of immaturity. He's not going to leave you with your edges rough. He's going to smooth them out. Scripture says that the God who begun a good work in you and in you, and in you, and in you, and because we're in Western PA, in yins, <laughs> he will see it through to completion. He will. Not he might. He will see it through to completion. So even in those moments where there is a test and you fail to see the value of it, you miss what he is like in it. He'll give you another chance to understand what he's like because that's what he wants most. That's eternity now. How do I know this? Jesus says in John 17, this is eternal life. What? That you would know the Father and Jesus, the one he has sent. Knowing him is eternity. Now, there'll be golden roads in heaven, and there'll be other things in heaven that we all talk about and we get excited about, and there's going to be things up there that's going to be really cool that's not like now. The Wi-Fi will never fail, right? Your genes will always fit. There'll be some great stuff in heaven, but the one aspect of it you can enjoy right now, you can know him. 
So if we've missed an opportunity to learn about him before, if we were too busy being frustrated and, and angry and just sad and just, ah, if we were too busy being those things, the next time we get a chance to learn about him, God can teach us in all circumstances. And I love that about him. I love that he's always teacher, not sometimes. You name a way about God, he's always. And if you find a way that he's not always, you come see me. I want to know. I'll add it to next week's notes. I don't think anybody's going to come see me, though. Cool thing is, today's message, I know it says in the series unchanging, but today's message, if you're taking notes, is constant. And we say constant because we have to start with understanding that God is constant before we could ever reflect on how that has an implication on how we should behave, how we should live, how we should act, which will be next week. We have to establish the fact that there's one constant in our life when everything else is changing, and that's him. And you've probably already seen how constantly I'm going to talk about his constancy today. And I looked up the etymology of that word, and it was really cool that constant comes from the late Middle English. I didn't know there was a late Middle English. That just seems a little bit counterproductive that it would be late, but it would be middle. You would think that it would be late, late. <laughs> Whatever. Late Middle English gives us the word constant. And that word comes from the Old French. Don't get confused here. Stay with me. And that word comes from the Latin and the word in the Latin was constare, or con meaning with, and stare meaning stand, so withstanding, something that remains. And so God is that way, and so that's where, that's where the title comes from, is God is withstanding, God is resolute, God is faithful, God is always the same. If you get nothing else from today, but you get that, you are rich. God is Constare. God is constant. God is unchanging. I was going to get into a couple of characters in Scripture that would have experienced God's constancy, but for the sake of time, I'll give very brief blurbs and encourage you this week as homework to check it out for yourself. Fair enough? So God showed his constant nature with Jacob. Jacob had some good moments, and Jacob had some bad moments. You'll figure that out for yourself this week. But God showed his constancy with Jacob. And the moment in particular that comes to mind is when Jacob, as an old man, is now brought to Egypt to see his son Joseph has risen to power. And Joseph is going to be the one by which God uses to save the Israel people, the people of Israel. He's going to bring them to Egypt to give them food. Now, we know that that story gets a little dicey afterwards. But in a moment of famine, God brings all of his children to Egypt so that they might receive food from the storehouses that Joseph ran. And Jacob, who thought his son was dead, got to see his son was alive. And I'm sure Jacob could hearken back to a time when his youngest son was being born by his favorite wife, and his wife passed away. And he had to learn about how God was faithful then. And so the lessons he learned earlier on when his children were being born, he was reminded of before he passed away. I think about Hezekiah, who our brother Bob talked about the last few weeks. 
And you're going to really like this one, um, particularly those who are into time travel. You're going to like this one. Hezekiah, he was getting ready to die. And when he got, a new, got news from the prophet Isaiah that he was getting ready to die, and you remember this from last week, or two weeks ago, sorry, he says, Lord, don't you remember how I've served you? Don't you remember how much I loved you? How much I love you? God, heal my body. And what we didn't cover in that series was that God did heal him, but before he does, he says, or, or, or Hezekiah says to the prophet, how will I know that this has come to pass? I asked, but how will I know it actually happened? And God says to Isaiah, tell him this. I can move the shadow 10 paces forward or 10 paces back. That sounds weird. But what he was talking about is the position of the sun. The shadow that was being cast was by the sun. And they were using that to tell time. And so God was saying, I'll move the time forward or I'll move it backward. So Hezekiah, being as bold as he wanted to be, says, well, anybody can move it forward. Meaning, the sun's always moving in that direction. I would really believe it if you moved it 10 paces backward. And God does it. There may be no shifting shadow in God, but know that he can shift some shadows. That's a bar. <laughs> God moved time to prove to Hezekiah he's unchanging. If I healed you before, I'll heal you now. Doesn't mean you'll never be sick. Don't get the promise twisted. It just means that he is always about healing you, even in the ways you don't think he needs to. Peter, in the New Testament, you don't like the Old Testament, don't like all those old fogies in Scripture? Let's get to Peter, people. Peter denied Jesus and yet found out that Jesus' love towards him would not change. Denied him three times, and Jesus reestablishes him how many? Three times. And if you're having trouble finding any of these things in Scripture, because I know that sometimes we can assume you just know where these things are, and we're running out of time, so that's why I'm not pulling up every single passage, but if you want to know, come see me. Or better yet, Raise your hand if you know where all of the things I've referenced can be found in Scripture. Not in a prideful way. Just raise your hand if you're familiar. Raise them high. Raise them high. Okay. So here are your study aids. Keep them up. Here are your study aids. If you're unfamiliar with any of these stories, see your brothers and sisters. Because the teacher is not the one who stands on the stage. The teacher is the one who we serve, and he uses all of us to teach. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, I want you to come see somebody, not just me. Let's use each other as a vehicle by which to learn about the faithfulness of God, his unchanging character, his goodness. That's why we're in community. That's why this local body matters. Because there's somebody in here who can tell you about how their plate was empty when they were hungry and God provided, and your plate might be currently empty. It might be good to talk to Rosie then. You might currently feel unloved. Might be good to talk to Heather then. I'll admit, moment of honesty, I was a little frustrated everybody was sharing. Because I said, I'm not going to be able to preach as long. 
And then God told me through my wife, she's really good at getting me back to center, but God told me through my wife, hey, everything we've received through our family has been good. So in essence, hush up. <laughs> and I love that it provides the backdrop to there are more than one person, more than one, more, more people, sorry, that God will use to teach you today. Stop looking at Bob, Alan, Judah, myself, or whoever else comes on this stage as being holier than you, knowing more than you. We're just the ones assigned to do it here. That's it. That is it. You can learn from Beth, and not just about online giving. You can learn from Rosie. You can learn from Andrea. You can learn from Snow. You can learn from Will. You can learn from Zoe. You can learn from the people in this room, because there are people that have encountered God through relationship. They have received revelation, and they should be willing to share it with you. Because revelation is best shared, not hoarded. Amen? Do want to get you to a couple other passages before we finish. Just so you don't think you just got a Donovan freestyle. So the last little bit of time we have remaining, can we go to James chapter 1, verse 17, please? So you understand where that bar about shadows came from. Whatever is good and is perfect or imperfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all of the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So he can shift some shadows, but he'll never cast one. Meaning whatever he's like, he will remain that way. Let's go from there to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. I think I only gave you 13. That's okay. I'm going to pull up verses 11 and 12. Don't do it. Wait, you might do it faster. We'll see who gets there first. <laughs> 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to go with verse 11. Oh, you definitely did beat me. Wow. Okay. Oh, no, you didn't. Okay, it's only 13. All right, cool. So, this is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, emphasis on 13, if we are unfaithful, unreliable, inconsistent, changing, shifting, immature, it's not condoning any of these things. Understand, the passage is not saying that's okay. But if we are any of those things, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. That's where we got earlier. He can't lie. That's how I know. And it's one thing to read it in Scripture. It's another thing to be hearing it or receiving it in Revelation and going, wait a minute, God has never lied to me. All the things God has said to me in the past, he's done it. All the things he told me to expect, it's happened. All the things he's told me to avoid, I should have, I didn't. But after the fact, when I stopped going around those things or being around those people, I realized there was safety in that. God has never lied to me, and I anchor it on this, on this scripture, on this passage. So the word is necessary, but revelation has to line up with the word. You need both. Last passage. Not that I want to rush through scripture. 
but I had searched this earlier. I had searched and I, I typed in God is good, all right? God is good. And when I searched it, I realized that several times the same phrase kept coming up. So this is one of the first times I saw the phrase. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. So many of the Psalms end with this. So many of the Psalms start with this. I didn't get time to dig into why that stanza was so crucial, but so many of the Psalms, and there were multiple, wrote the same phrase into their Psalm. And I thought there was some value in that. That anytime something is repeated in scripture, it's something that I should really give attention to. And so if you use the Bible app, or if you just have all these passages highlighted, you'll see that this phrase keeps repeating itself. So I didn't give this to the people in the back. Again, my apologies. This was a download from this morning. But as I kept looking at the different occurrences of that phrase, I want to leave you with this one. It starts off in Psalm 118, going through 1, one through 4, verses 1 through 4. And it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. But don't stop at verse 1. It goes on to say, let Israel repeat his faithful love endures forever. Let Aaron's descendants, the priests, repeat his faithful love endures forever. Verse 4 is for you. Let all who fear the Lord repeat his faithful love endures forever. So that's how we're going to end. I'm going to read verse 4 again. And when I do, if you fear the Lord, say the phrase. If you don't, it's all good. You may not be there yet. It's not about you saying it for me. It's about us training ourselves to say, his faithful love endures forever. My boss is not being nice to me, but his faithful love endures forever. Me and my husband are not getting along, but his faithful love endures forever. I don't have what I need financially. His faithful love endures forever. It is a shifting statement. It is one that shifts us from what our current thing, our circumstance that we can see, our feelings that we have, they are valid. I'm not trying to discount any of our feelings. I have them all the time. If you know me, you know I am the feeler in my marriage. Felicia's the stable one. I am the one that feels all the feelings. I cry during Sports Center. <laughs> so I am saying feelings are okay, but understand that while God can use your feelings, truth matters more. While he can use your perspective, truth matters more. So you're not saying it because the person on the stage told you to repeat this phrase after him. Because I'm holier than you. Now, you're saying it because that psalmist said, those who fear the Lord will repeat. Amen? So we're going to say that. Or we're going to pray. And then I'm going to get out of your way. So Psalm, verse, Psalm chapter 118, verse 4 says... Let all who fear the Lord repeat, his faithful love endures forever. One more time. Let all who fear the Lord repeat, his faithful love endures forever. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you that everything you have taught us about you Everything we have come to learn about your ways, 
Lord, that we were reminded today they are unchanging, that we can rely on them. God, we're going to leave this place. We're going to enter the circumstances that cause us to forget this. And God, I pray that our refrain this week will be his love endures forever. That we would use that as an answer to our circumstances, an answer to our problems, an answer to our trials and tribulations. We would answer, Lord, that your love endures forever because it does. And God, I pray that if there's anyone in this room that has not received that revelation, that you would give it to them again this week because your patience endures forever. And Lord, I pray that you would constantly teach us because your wisdom is unending and it remains forever. Lord, I thank you that we have you in a world of shaking, in a world of changing. I am glad we have the unchanging God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. God bless you, family.